Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Real herbs, real life, real easy. Now, a word from our sponsor. This show is brought to you by Occupy Medical, free integrated healthcare for all, Sundays 12 to 4 in downtown Eugene, Oregon. Modern herbalism is rooted in a variety of backgrounds, some traditional and some grown from modern science. Inspired herbalists are gifted with a number of powerful approaches on their path to helping others. Today, we're talking with Jakob Sledeland, clinical nutritionist and registered herbalist about his path into vital herbalism. Now, here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism Radio. Welcome, Jakob. Thanks for having me. I'm so it's glad you were able to make it today. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's a beautiful day in Springfield, Oregon. <laughs> we love Springfield. It's an up and coming city. It is. It is. City. City's a city's a stretch. Term. It's yeah. kind of a village. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell us about tell us about how you ended up in in the great town of Eugene doing what you're doing. You yes. got a story. You do. Uh, yeah, I suppose I suppose we all have stories. Yeah, I um, ended up in Eugene maybe about ten years ago. Just really attracted to the the whole bioregion and the flora of the Northwest. Had That's you visited crazy. here before? That is the same time that I we came. We no arrived. Kidding. That's like a okay. decade ago. That's crazy. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Why here? <laughs> oh, I just really love the love the coniferous rainforest, uh, the, the plants that were here. Uh, my father used to live here, so I had been familiar with uh, it. Um, there are also some social and political movements that had happened here historically and may or may not have been associated with. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. Um, so, yeah, there are different reasons. I was, I was escaping uh, the San Francisco Bay Area for a variety of other reasons, just really down with the city. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of and, folks do that, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I've been living in the woods before that, so I wasn't really an urbanite. I just took a, a little stay in yeah. urbanism for, for some kind of masochistic reason. <laughs> yeah, so. well, it's good to get to know the opposition, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure, absolutely, yeah. Yep. Did you come here as an herbalist? I had been studying um, at the Ohlone Center of Herbal Medicine um, for a bit with uh, Pam Fisher down there in Berkeley, now in Oakland. They have a free clinic there. Nice. Um, she's a great gal and wonderful teacher. So I had been studying and, and practicing, um, but I was certainly on the the younger side of my experience for, for absolutely sure when well, I got here. How'd you end up with that? That's That's a big jump already. What's what jump jumping into an herbal clinic? Okay, let's let's start. Let's, we should let's back, back up. up a little bit here. Yeah, okay. were you born into a family that was all about herbalism? No, I was not. My father was an was an environmentalist and fisheries biologist, so there was a kind of so that kind of background in terms yeah. of the the natural sciences. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, not not herbal family by any by any means. When you were a bright eyed young eighteen year old, were you all about like, yeah, I'm going to go off to college and study herbalism? No, not at all. I, I was just really super engaged in lots of different activist types of things from uh, homeless and civil rights work to um, sort of earth and ecological defense movement stuff. Um, a lot of uh, sort of activist based social work uh, kinds of projects. So I had some years of basically full time activism. A rebel uh, with a cause. Yeah. That's yeah. a pretty good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, what what drew you out of that and into herbal medicine? Um, that that was I saw herbal medicine as part of that, and really part of um, 
a need for greater social and community resilience and, uh, and a, a way to essentially have a skill set that was broadly applicable, uh, pre and post apocalypse uh-huh. that, um, See, that, that I could yeah. use in a, in a social justice and in an ecological justice realm or within that context. So, um, herbalism was part of, was part of where I thought I was going with activism. Nice. Which turned out it's to be pretty fit. true. Yeah. yeah. I think though, there's a lot of people that don't understand that connection. Like they yeah. they don't see how herbalism matches how that's a step. And it is a step for a lot of different people. When you're looking at social justice plus herbalism, how do those match together? Yeah, but absolutely. How, can you talk about your view of it? Um, well, I could, I could kind of contextualize how they do for me in terms of the yeah. projects that are, that are going on instead of the more theory based stuff. I mean, the practical, yeah, practical, <laughs> this is the practical, practically, practically. Um, well, uh, in common with one of our, our hosts, the great mm-hmm. Sucier Lupe, I help uh, <laughs> volunteer with, uh, Eugene Occupy Medical, which is a free integrative medicine clinic. And that's just over the last, I forget, maybe two and a half years now. I was thinking it was going on three. Two and a yeah. half, three years. Wow. Um, and, and previous to that, um, was doing free clinic work just, uh, on my own with the first herb company I kind of had, which I called Northwest Phytotherapy, which was just seeing people that needed help. So I've been doing that for more years than, than Occupy Medical. Um, and in the last six years, I've been doing a lot of work with um, Northwest indigenous communities, uh, helping run free clinics out at um, native ceremonies. So that's nice. been about six or seven years now where they're kind of mixed emergency medicine and uh, herbal medicine uh, ongoing care mm-hmm. clinics mm-hmm. that are that take place in rural areas of Oregon every summer um, out, out in the bush. They're bush clinics, nice. so to speak. Nice. Those are two of the big projects that where herbal medicine and activism uh, collide. Is your herbal practice more rooted in like the the science college type of like what do you call that allopathic style, or are you more rooted in traditional? How did you how did you gain your herbal expertise? It's it's I feel like it's been a combo there. Um, I first studied with the Ohlone Center, as, as I mentioned in the Bay. Um, I studied, you know, with uh, practitioners here in Eugene, with with uh, Howie Brown, mm-hmm. you know, the Columbine mm-hmm. School, as many people uh, may know around here. I uh, did a lot of coursework through the North American Institute of Medical Herbalism in, Bol- in Boulder, now the Colorado School. Mm-hmm. Um, studied tons of Michael Moore's stuff. Mm-hmm. So all those different kinds of things, and then put a lot of that together with um, the basic sciences curriculum of an undergraduate degree um, with nutrition sciences and, and all those those basics. And then uh, I studied in Australia um, doing a master's of science in clinical herbal medicine. So that's the medical herbalism tradition that we used to have here. Um, and we still have here to some extent, but we used to have here in colleges, which was the you know eclectic and physiomedical traditions uh, that got shut down by the good old American Medical Association in the early parts oh. of the 20th century. So that jumped ship, as we may know, over to England and eventually Australia. Mm-hmm. So, so I did study the university stuff. Um, and that uh, – I wouldn't say that it's necessarily uh, – um, you use the term allopathic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, it's not yeah. necessarily that, but um, – it does incorporate more hard sciences than 
Western herbalists that are not European or Eurasian tend to? Yeah, I've, I've noticed that in the herbalist field and in like mainstream, the word Western and herbalism paired can mean one of two things. One of them is that you've got a background in essentially energetics. So it's the European, traditional European herbalism from, you know, hundreds of years ago. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is a science-based clinical approach, a.k.a. Western medicine. So Western herbalism can end up becoming used that way by people, particularly those who aren't familiar with the energetic traditions. Because Western herbalism, traditional Western herbalism doesn't seem to have as strong a a footing as something like traditional Chinese medicine or or Veda. Those have their... Everybody knows what that is or they have at least a vague clue about what that is. But when you say Western herbalism, they look at you like, okay, which one? one? Are you like in a clinic with the doctors and nurses, you know? I I, I would say Western herbal medicine is the eclectic practice of herbal medicine in North America, Europe, and Australia, New Zealand, essentially Australasia. And that can be have a lot of different uh, elements to it and ultimately every tool in the toolbox as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the energetics are just empirical sciences um, that were uh, pre the modern era. Right. And now we've got different tools to also mm-hmm. implement too. So different um, tools and different words that sometimes describe the exact same thing or a very similar shades of the same thing. They can. Not they always. Can, they may not. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not always. But uh, yeah, Western herbalism is, I totally agree, it's very much more of a, a nuanced term than something, mm-hmm. than these very distinct traditions like the, the Ayurveda or the TCM. Um, but we do have our own, our own tradition that's based in what I would say Greek Arabic energetics, mm-hmm. as well as the energetics and, and um, ethnobotany of, of the native North Americans mm-hmm. uh, that fuses with the conventional medical sciences. Um, to to be this thing called either Western herbal medicine, medical herbalism, phytotherapy, or <laughs> or botanical medicine. Those are the terms, and they have well, different hues. On. They have different hues, and then we could get really long winded with it. So. Yeah. Well, let's back up just a tiny bit. Kindness to our audience that don't know what energetics mean. Right. So. Um, those are going to mean different things to different people too. But oh, for the boy. traditional practitioner, I see a trend. the energetics <laughs> of, uh, of both herbs um, and people are going to be looking at sort of naturalistic uh, phenomena such as hot or heat, uh, warmth, um, cold or, or coldness, uh, dryness, moisture, uh, tenseness or laxness, so how taut or how loose something is, or how excess or deficient something is. These are essentially scientific terms. They're not, this is not the energetics of, of the um, kind of more woo-woo side of the, the, the more new age side of mm-hmm. uh, practice, which can be um, uh, another way to practice. But energetics themselves are actually referring to um, sort of metaphorical understandings of the body that have practical implications. So an, an, an application of energetics can be something as simple as, you know, the, the moist cough, that responds to the notable warming and drying uh, herb in, right. in the Northwest here. Let's, let's, productive cough. Right. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, we can go with uh, Osha or Oshala Ligusticum here. Right. Um, so that's a nice warming, drying herb. We're going to apply that to a moist, uh, a very like, you know, 
congested, moist cough. That's a you know basic example. Mm-hmm. So there aren't we don't need to necessarily know the phytochemicals involved. We don't necessarily need to you know have more of an understanding of that. We just have to know that that works. That it's worked for a very long time. That it's been you know worked for professional practitioners for a very long time mm-hmm. as a system, and then implement it. So mm-hmm. maybe that's it's a little bit about energetics. It's a huge topic. And when the Western herbalists are, are many are still trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think energetics ends up getting lumped in to like the woo woo. Mm-hmm. And it can be very poetic. I mean, traditional Chinese medicine sounds really poetic, but when you start to look at what it actually all maps to, it's pretty analytical. Yeah, it's yeah. quite analytical. Yeah, yeah. I'm referring to physical mm-hmm. material phenomena and, and how to deal with them in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you call yourself a vitalist, right? Vitalist. Yes. Yeah. Vitalist or vital herbalist. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Vitalism is a, is a tradition within Western herbal medicine that um, looks at the whole as greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, there's a uh, – sometimes you'll, you'll hear referred to as the kind of healing power of nature – the, the vis mm-hmm. medicatrix naturae in in, uh, fit in floral terms, mm-hmm. fancy terms. Um, so the vitalism is a tradition um, which incorporates those um, those types of energetics we we're talking about from the from the historical Western herbal sciences. Um, vitalism also looks at the the kind of uh, whole picture of the person, the the gestalt of the situation, as opposed to just looking at, um, you know, a uh, kind of, you say, it's just looking at its parts, I guess, as, mm-hmm. as analyzed separately. So, so when you're working with a new client, you're going to be looking at, you know, if, like that cough. You know, you're possibly sure. going to hear the cough while they're there. They're going to tell you that it's productive or not and all of that sort of thing. Are you going to also be looking at how do they hold themselves do they? What is their tone of their voice? What's going on in the rest of their life? Sure. That sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, ideally it's looking at the, the biological, the psychological, the social, all those implications of, of things, um, uh, and, and how they interact in a in a human being or in a, an organism. So um, vitalism does have a um, a kind of hue of being maybe new agey to the the um, conventional medical community. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, really it's just a, uh, again, an intention to look at the things that um, Western science may not have yet been able to prove uh, beyond uh, a shadow of a doubt, but that um, practitioners within the natural sciences have, have known um, were, were real for a long time. So, right. I think it also represents something that, the doctors that I deal with feel like they really miss in in medicine that long conversation and and seeing people outside of the context of a four walled clinic and living in in the environment with folks like there's a lot of doctors that at Occupy Medical or at the clinic that I work with that that's what they say repeatedly is I I wish I had more time with the patients sure. I feel like I would be better at helping them. Yeah. If I had more of that context, if I'm not just seeing them every year for an annual, but sure. if we're able to talk to them 
in Occupy Medical, we have the luxury of being able to talk to everybody week after week yeah. and seeing that progression as opposed to a year in between and for only 15 minutes. Sure. And that sounds kind of what you're focusing on with vitalism is being able to get a bigger picture. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's looking at the, the vital energy. And like you said, you know, there's different ways that, that would be become visible in, in a human being or, or in a plant, you know? So, um, you know, is the, is the person look energized, you know, or do, or, mm-hmm. are they quite fatigued? You know, what is the, are they pallored or, you know, mm-hmm. is, is there a lot of heat and redness in the face? All of those kinds of things, the vitalism of, of the organism ties directly into the traditional energetics, I guess, is one way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's both a base philosophy and a, and a practical um, application of, of the uh, traditional practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I imagine it's broader than just, here's an herbal formula, because you, sure. you're a nutritionist as well. Sure. So you're probably looking at answers to helping people that are more than just a prescription, if you will, or a specific herbal sure. regimen. Is that? Sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, and this comes comes into play, and this is one place where vitalism and modern sciences really unite, is this idea of complexity that mm-hmm. um, we, we see ever more becoming the uh, the way that uh, modern sciences are going, the complex systems science, or the idea that um, complex people with complex problems require complex solutions, right? right? And so there's not going to be any herb um, that's going to correct all of someone's problems, mm-hmm. or, you know. That, or any one primal alkaloid in that herb. Sure. That's, that's, getting, that's the magic bullet. Right. There's yeah. never going to be a magic bullet. So, you know, the the kind of holistic health protocols. Sometimes herbs are not even part of it. You know, they just maybe we just made it work on cleaning up diet and um, looking at sort of exercise physiology strategies or looking at their sleep, um, sleep patterns, or Social maybe they really need to speak with the, yeah, maybe they need a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this is, this is also part of that, you know, where, where vitalism meets the idea of holism, I think. Um, that we have this uh, this need to again use every tool in the toolbox, both as far as the research and and what we have to offer as uh, um, practitioners. So now it's time for a real herbalism radio sponsor break. Occupy Medical is free street reach integrated health clinic that demonstrates by example that healthcare really is a human right. We're an all volunteer clinic of doctors, nurses, herbalists, and others working together to heal the community. What kind of donations are you guys looking for? We need vitamins, herbs, socks, toothbrushes, and, of course, good old-fashioned money. You can find a complete list of our needs and contact information at occupy-medical.org. Occupy Medical is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And now, back to our show. I know that after I've worked with the audience uh, that do not know, I've been able to work with Yako for a long time. And you are the herbalist that uh, takes the longest time with the patient. <laughs> yeah, with Occupy Medical. Well, I remember I started with Occupy Medical and it was like maybe you were, you, you were really blasting me about it because it was maybe it was. 45 minutes with every client, which, you know, I would like to spend it more like two hours. And that's what I do in private practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've, I've since had to really pare it down because we are in urgent care. 
We got four hours and 60 care. patients. There's yeah. a lot of people. There's a lot of people. So, yeah. And, and a lot of the times you just, you're, you know, it's almost like a narrative form of therapy. You're just listening to people's stories. And I know I've heard that from you a lot. So yeah. that's a huge part of the therapeutic interchange and also part well, of the vitalist I'm, practice. Yeah. My own experience with herbalists and practitioners who are not of the regular medical clinics has been that they take more time. And because they're actually listening to what I'm saying and using active listening skills so I can tell that they know they're actually understanding what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. I feel so much more confident. Yeah. So they're more likely to be successful with me personally, you know, sure. than, than a regular been, doctor because I'm getting, heard, yeah, because right? I've been heard and yeah. I've been heard for more than 10 minutes. Right. You know, it's yeah. usually those are, like you said, two hours or an hour for your intro session or whatever. And yeah, yeah. that really makes a difference. I've found a lot of patients don't self-triage very well. They'll come mm-hmm. in, for instance, particularly with the, with the poor, they're, they're used to being ignored. Yeah. So they'll come and say, I just need a Band-Aid for this, that's all. Like, well, show me what your problem is. And, and then it's no, like this don't, green gaping right. wound. You don't need to do it. Yeah. And that's just the the start of it. And I think one of the things that we keep running into at the clinic is the disease of loneliness. And you yeah. kind of, you, you've mm-hmm. talked about that earlier about, I can't remember the phrase that you're using, like in industrialism or... That how the the cripple the crippling factor of our of our society is that we're we've we've had this conversation before about how it kind of pulls us it, apart yeah. and then we yeah. have physical manifestations of that. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alienation has real real physical and psychological consequences. I think that's part of what we see at Occupy Medical for sure. And people yeah. are broken not just because they're poor and don't have like physical food in front of them, but they're. They're also broken because they're, they've been fundamentally treated like garbage, expletives. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's in the radio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and that has a lot of a lot of implications on down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the diseases that you run into in your practice? Oh yeah, most um, frequently. Well, uh, if we're looking at the from the biomedical side of things, and you know, I see lots of people that have. The chronic health concerns um, associated with industrial societies, um, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, lots of cancer. Um, been working more with folks with HIV recently. Um, so generally speaking, chronic uh, disease um, that autoimmune diseases play in there largely too. Um, don't have a singular focus there. But I'm usually working with people and their docs, and their their uh, docs sometimes don't have um, either don't have the adequate uh, most adequate treatments in all cases for whatever people are experiencing, or they they're used as an adjunct on top of them, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do, of course, yeah. a lot with Occupy Med. Is, right, it's working with and and uh, figuring out you know best way to apply the different different tools we have. Mm-hmm. Um, how are the doctors in working with you? Is it a bit of a, like, takes a lot of ground softening at the first or? It's just, yeah. It depends on the doctor. Yeah, it just really depends on the doctor. Um, most people, most practitioners, uh, conventional practitioners will just generally write off the practice um, as being a placebo sort of deal. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Um, there's got to be a fair amount of that going on. Um 
but they usually appreciate the very least um, that there's you know a good education behind it that I that they know that there's actually research of the herb and drug interactions right that um, even though you know I'm not a conventional practitioner I have enough understanding of their approaches that and we can share enough language together that there can be a common ground mm-hmm. and so that's that's a useful thing I think so it's it's really mixed though it's really mixed oftentimes you know I can at least get the the background history from um, their conventional practitioners, uh, but communication isn't always you know so so perfect. It's not really a team environment yet, is it? No, not in all <laughs> cases. You know, trying to get closer to that—that's definitely the goal. I think that's yeah. the goal for hopefully for healthcare as a whole. It seems like nationwide we've got more of a move toward at least talking about wanting to have other modalities included with clinics. Yeah. But I think we're quite a long way from it. Yeah. We'll have to open up the windows of communication better. There's the doctors that I work with in my clinic, they're they are herb user friendly, but there's plenty of times when they come into my office and okay, so this this patient just told me she's taking uh, some fancy name, a uh, beautiful wind formula or whatever. And like, what, what, what the heck is that? What is that? Right, the the that? patient can't tell me what's in it. I don't even, mm-hmm. what, what are we talking about? Yeah. So right. I'm like, okay, just give me a little bit. I'll research it. And you know that if we had a accepted practice in which we are all communicating well, then there, we just ROI and then the conversation is between practitioners and here's here's what you've found out about the patient and here's what I have found out about the patient and here's the interactions that we would be looking for and it's a conversation rather than sure. trying to pry open a mystery with mm-hmm. a you know Sherlock Holmes it that's <laughs> yeah. not successful yeah right yeah but you sound like you've got at least some open roads to good conversations with some of these doctors Sometimes, and you know, I think that's you know, to just come from trying. You yeah. just have to reach out and try, and sometimes it works. Well, I think yeah. your grounding and scientific method probably helps a lot too. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. oh, so for how did you end up just jumping into having your own little clinic? I mean, that's pretty gutsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was over a lot of years, a lot of years of doing it. So. Um, uh, let's see. Open hung out the first uh, sign maybe four years ago, something like that. Um, but I'd already been working doing free clinic work for for you know some years before that. Mm-hmm. So I think I was after a certain amount of time um, practicing for free, which since um, mm-hmm. internships in, in the herbal medicine practice are not um, always as adequate as we would like. Um, sometimes we we uh, kind of create our own internships. Um, and so at a certain point, uh, I, I mean, I knew that was what I wanted to do. So, mm-hmm. so you just did it. So, you just, did. so yeah. honest, you just gotta be brazen and arrogant and, you know, no, not really. <laughs> I, I felt there was a certain point where I felt like I was prepared to do it and prepared to do it. Doesn't mean to help everybody. It just means to know who you can help and know how to refer to those that you don't feel like you can. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of people have a hard time making the jump from working for someone to running your own business because it's not just about being an expert in herbalism and all of that. You also have to have some business savvy, yeah, which yeah. is a whole separate degree. I mean, you know, they have colleges Marketing for that. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, unfortunately, there aren't many places for the herbalist to just go get a job, no. um, unless, at least not in clinical practice. You can go work for herbal medicine making company or those kinds right. of things. There's different avenues. Um Maybe a lot of you know a lot of people work in botany or the kind of ecological side of things, mm-hmm. um, or host talk shows like or this host one. <laughs> yeah, so host talk shows. This is a good idea. This is a good idea. Smart. Let's talk about your business acumen. I think you're probably doing better than me. But uh, yeah, so well, yeah, I had to study that that kind of crapola as well, which mm-hmm. is probably the worst part of everything. Yeah, because I have so little interest in uh, in business per se. That's where you have to find someone who's a good, like really excited about the same perhaps political activism, but mm-hmm. has the business side. And sure. the two of you can partner together. Sure. Then you'll have like next thing you know, you'll be franchising. Right. right and we'll right. call you a corporate sellout. Yeah. I yeah. question how much, you know, real rebel herbal you've got going on there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We'll look forward to Once that I podcast it, later. There will be nothing, <laughs> will be nothing left. <laughs> so where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? I mean, you couldn't have looked... 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there wasn't, this was not possible. You couldn't have been a clinical herbalist. That was, that world just didn't really exist. Well, I think it did exist 10 years ago. Did Uh, it? I think it existed 10 years ago. Um, It was less common. Well, yeah. I I thought my first herbalist like 10, 12 years ago. As a clinical herbalist? Mm -hmm. I mean, she did it outside of her house, but it was a clinical approach. She was a nurse. Sure. There's been people practicing Again, since I would say the, the mm-hmm. resurgence in the 1970s, mm-hmm. uh, there's been, but it's been very small and growing since yeah. then, right? Right. Since that uh, major, remember, second wave of Western herbal practice, mm-hmm. um, or maybe it should be called the third wave for mm-hmm. not, you know, divorcing the North American and uh, Native folks from that as a practice because that's a definite practice. Yeah, I and think I we should yeah, go professionalized, right, yeah. professionalized practice. It's a second mm-hmm. wave of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the, I don't know where I'll be in 10 years, to be perfectly How about five? <laughs> five. How about five? Yeah, five. Yeah, where do five you hope plan. to be? <laughs> where do you hope yeah. to be? Um, well, I hope to have expanded more of the, uh, the free clinic work that um, we've been doing. We started a, a project that hasn't been um, fully outlined yet, but we've got people across North America interested, which is a, a free herbal clinic network um, for sharing resources and skills. Um, that just needs some web help. Uh-huh. So, you know, shoot, shoot me an email because um, <laughs> we have a lot of the ideas planned um, here. So I'd like to see that kind of... Uh, activism in, in integrative medicine and herbalism greater uh, in its expansion. And, um, has the American know. herbalist guild been supportive in that? Yeah. Well, individual members of it are, mm-hmm. um, it hasn't been, uh, a project of the AHG. So we haven't gotten any, you know, specific stamp on that. It was more or less an idea that's been kind of incubating here, uh, in the Northwest for the last, couple of years um and and something that really needs to be applied further but lots of interest from people um across this country and and uh, even further at this point mm-hmm. so hopefully that i hope to be a lot more experienced in practice um 
you know, a, a better human being overall. Oh, yes. I, I, You're well these, on there's your lots of things. Right there's lots of things that I would places I would like to be in five years but yeah you caught me off guard with that one I'll be honest that's more welcome it's more of a business sort of interview you know Sue's really good at that yeah she's so good yeah no problem so hey let's back up for a second here what is the American Herbalist Guild for our listeners Ah, y'all can explain that Sue it's it's an association of herbal practitioners uh, since whatever 1980 Something. Something. Four, I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> a long Quite a time. Long time. I believe it's since the early 80s, a mm-hmm. uh, small cadre of uh, American herbalists created this organization to um, facilitate the education of uh, herbal medicine in the U.S. Um, and to provide, eventually provide a sort of uh, standard that people could use to assess if uh, herbalists we're ready to practice. Mm-hmm. So there's a curriculum-based element to it. There's a kind of peer review element to it in, in their journal. Um, so uh, it's it's the only organization right now in North America um, representing uh, Western herbal uh, practitioners particularly. Yeah. I think, isn't it, a majority of the people who say they are registered herbalists are registered with the American Herbalist Guild? Isn't that how that usually works? Yeah, unless to they my knowledge, otherwise. there is no other registration. Yeah. So, yeah. so the being an RH or a registered herbalist with the HG is the only the, the um, kind of only standard for North American herbalists right now, unless you're practicing in Chinese medicine. Uh, oh, right. And then yeah. there, there are others, but you'll see there's lots of certified herbalists or master herbalists or these kinds of things that can be certificate based or program program based, but the HG provides a curriculum uh, assessment yeah, overall. Yeah, they're got a certain number of hours. Yeah, it's like 200 hours of clinic hours plus a whole lot of training. I can't remember. So yeah, it's, it's, a robust, about, it's a robust yeah. requirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, the, and it's nice. I remember in the 80s, I went to a, an herbalist myself and sat down and she took my pulse and looked at my tongue and and I was uh, frankly quite lost. And in, mm-hmm. Sure. I was just like, oh, tell me what's wrong with me. And she said, I don't really know. I don't know. Do you have something wrong with you? And oh. then I gave her my money and then we went home. She said, try these three herbs. And then wow. I researched the herbs and that was the end of it. Wow. So. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. I think <laughs> it was just the, the, yeah. the there was too, too much scattershot yeah. in the herbal industry at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. well, well, there's so many approaches. There's so many approaches available. Yeah. There were then and it was more shrouded in mystery and darkness because there wasn't. Now there's a lot out there and it still can be scattershot because there's so many directions you can choose yeah. right. to get so started. So the HG is a good place to go to get a, a baseline of where people are at and where they right. studied because it's really it, – it is complex to assess who you're going to see as a practitioner within such a diverse – movement and practice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the herbalist that I talked to was shying away from learning from the medical industry about triaging. Uh-huh. And now that that's over, people are better about that. They're like, right. this, sure. here's a process that's clearly worked. So let's just use that. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So I, I like hearing that. Wow. Well, thanks for, thanks for having me on today, Thank by the way. Uh, yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. Okay. So now where chatting. can folks, where can folks find you? Oh, sure. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm in practice here in Eugene. Um, you can find my info at vitalforcenaturalhealth.com. Um, and my clinic's moving right now, or I'd give you the address. 
But you can also email me uh, at info at vitalforcenaturalhealth.com. Um, I also do a, a distance-based uh, nutrition consulting practice through a company called Vida, um, V-I-D-A, and they, they have a, an app an app that you can use. And I work with a variety of other practitioners, um, physicians, dietitians, exercise physiologists, et cetera, to work with um, people and their, and their healthcare providers. Like Skyping in your. Yeah. It's distance based um, um, holistic health consulting. So doing nutrition and, and uh, herbal medicine from a different way. Wow. So that's something. So there's Vita health, there's vital force, natural health, Mm-hmm. com seemingly very similar mm-hmm. um but yeah those are probably the best ways by email or by the website right now mm-hmm. i don't have a huge blog presence or facebook presence um but yeah, yeah maybe that'll five change years. That's our five I, year if i really start to blow it up you know yeah. right now i'm just working with people so yeah nice. wow well thank you so much yeah thank you and Great to be here. if you uh check our show notes then you'll see links to some of the things that we talked about here, some of the herbs, and we'll have links to Yakov's site and his, his uh, your website there. Website so just email click away. Yep. You don't even have to type. Just click. We did the typing for you. Indeed. And you check our website too because we have a lot of information about different herbs and recipes and uh, some of the other people that we've talked to and we try to kind of cross-pollinate there so people get a good view when they look on our website uh, about topics that we've discussed and the the big world of herbalism. Yep, and you can find our herbal folios on our site or through our site. Mm-hmm. They're available on Amazon. We're still working on the print versions. I've been saying that a long time. <laughs> yes, I know. It's, that's a spooky thing. Yes. But you know, if you want to go support us so that we can get those print versions done, mm-hmm. you can become a Podbean sponsor. That's and right. That would help a lot. Yeah, we have people yeah, that have that done that. That would be that. awesome. And we love that. And you can contact us through, of course, the website. There's a contact form there. And then you can just look at us on Facebook and say howdy there, Twitter, Pinterest, Um, And if you'd love to share some of your herbal adventures on Instagram with us, use the hashtag of the Practical Herbalist. Yes, please. Get your pics up in our gallery. It'd be awesome. Yeah, we like like conversing with folks. I like this to be a conversation, so just a one-sided piece. Yeah. 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 It's lonely talking to yourself. It does. It does. (laughs) Just us and our little friend, Mr. Microphone. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Yakov. Thanks. Thanks. Pleasure. This show is brought to you by Occupy Medical, free integrated health care for all, Sundays 12 to 4 in downtown Eugene, Oregon. Visit their site at occupy-medical.org.